I want you to take a moment and think of the worst thing that somebody could do to you personally. What is the worst thing that someone could do to you personally? Or what is the worst thing that someone has done to you personally? I want you to hold that in your mind and think about the worst thing that somebody could do to you personally, whether, whether it be something physical, whether it be something emotional, whether it be something mental. And you say, this is the one thing that I fear. I would never want this to happen to me. Then the next question is, <clears throat> would you be willing to forgive somebody if they did that to you? Not once, but twice, or three times, or more than three times. Maybe for some of you, it may not be directly you, but, you know, with, uh, how about a mama with her children? Now, would you be willing to forgive that person? There are some things that people do to you that you will never, ever be able to change. You can't go back. That lady who meant her daughter's killer, she can't bring her daughter back. It can't change. That SS German soldier that helped massacre many Jews and tortured them and did horrific things to those people, it's not going to change. It's never going to change. What he did, he did. So if that happened to you, would you be willing to forgive them? See, it's easy to, to, to quickly say, yes, I would forgive that person sitting in an air-conditioned auditorium. Of course I would. But it's a whole lot harder when you start thinking about real-life experiences and start applying to your own life. I was um, talking to Sam, right? Samantha? Christina. That, which one? Samantha? Okay, I got them backwards. For some reason, I thought, okay. Christina. And she was telling me, they, what country were you in? Sri Lanka. Yeah. She was telling me in, that they were missionaries to Sri Lanka. And she had basically grown up there, so her, her, her whole life was there in Sri Lanka. And they had a, um, they, her dad had a church there, and there were missionaries there, and he had an associate pastor there. And the associate pastor turned their church into the government. And within 24 hours, she had to leave everything that she knew and flee the United States. 
she, she has a choice, and I don't know, we didn't talk about it, but it just came to my mind as I was thinking about forgiveness to either hold a grudge against that man and unforgiveness against that man for the rest of her life and you know you took my childhood away I don't have any memories everything that I had was ripped away within 24 hours I had to leave the country and come to a place that I'm really not familiar with and had to be uh, learn our culture here be re reassimilated into the American society they had nothing they had to close on their back she said they gave most of their possessions away to other people in the church because they weren't able to take them. So that's a real-life scenario that we've got somebody sitting in our midst that could, you could look at her and say, well, man, you ought to forgive. But yeah, well, that, that happened to her. But what about if something happens to you? Are we willing to have a spirit of forgiveness? You know, it's really interesting that she didn't turn bitter and she's, she's ended up in Bible college and she told me, she goes, I believe I'm called to be a pastor's wife or a missionary's wife or something like that. You know, it's kind of Interesting to think that she would even want to go into ministry because it was a man of God that turned her family in and said, look, you know, what? if that's the way people are in ministry are, then I'm not going to be involved in ministry. I don't want anything to do with it. I'll just go live my life. Yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't want anything to do with that. I, I, I don't want to get hurt again like that. Because guess what? If she marries a pastor or missionary, that same thing could happen again. See, we've got to make a choice if we're going to be a people of forgiveness. The Bible plainly teaches us here that it's, Jesus is not, as I mentioned to you before, talking about the, the realities of the pain and the hurt and the violation. They are all true, and those emotions uh, many times are very raw, and you have to work through them, and God's not against them. I, I don't want you to mis uh, uh, mistake me, but the point is not the pain. What Jesus is talking about here is how you react to when others have sinned against you personally. What are you to do? Remember, Jesus says, and, and he likens the kingdom of heaven. He's saying, where I rule, where my rulership is, this is the way life is supposed to be lived. So listen, if, Jesus, if you know Jesus as your personal Savior, he is to be the king of your life. He's not to be, as I've said before, one of many priorities. He is to be the priority. So he's saying, where I reign... In the kingdom of heaven where I reign, in the life of all the believers where I am to reign, this is the way life is supposed to be. This is the way you are to react. Remember, he's getting ready to go to the cross, and he's giving final instructions to his disciples. Usually the last words of a person's, what they say, are usually the most important. And he's giving parting instructions to the disciples. And he's saying, this is the way that I want you to live amongst each other. We learned this morning that if you're a person of forgiveness, your starting point is grace. You start with grace. There was extravagant grace as we saw in, in our text. And we saw the emotion of grace because the man had compassion. 
And then not only do we take a look at the starting point of grace, you start with grace, but then we mention that there you have a spirit of meekness. You have a spirit of meekness. You don't dig up past wrongs and you don't keep score and you choose not to enact justice when the law might be behind you when you can do whatever is lawful. And I ask you, what choice are you going to make? Are you going to make the choice to forgive? Or are you going to make the choice to hold on to bitterness? But I want you to take a look at, you say, well, pastor, I just can't forgive. No, no. You got the wording wrong. It's not like you, you have a disability, you know, like somebody's missing a leg and say, I can't stand on two legs. Well, they, they have a disability. They can't do that. So forgiveness is not like, uh, or a lack of forgiveness is not like a disability. Well, I, I can't, okay? For example, I can't dunk a basketball. Not at almost 52. I can't physically do that. It's an impossibility. The only way I could do that is climb a ladder and dunk the ball. And we know that Lillian Seltzer would never be able to dunk a basketball. (laughs) Why? It's physically impossible. But listen, to say I can't forgive is not a true statement. Everyone has the potential to forgive anyone of any sin done to them. But forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I can forgive somebody, but I may not trust them. For example, I can forgive somebody from stealing stealing $1,000 from me. But that doesn't mean I'm going to trust them to house it for me while I'm away. For example, Christina's dad could forgive that associate pastor for what he did, but that doesn't mean he's going to hire him back again. Too many times we get forgiveness and trust. We think that they're linked together, and they're not. You say, well, pastor, I just can't forgive. No, let's get it straight. It's that you won't forgive. That you won't forgive. I didn't say that it would be easy. I didn't say that there wouldn't be emotions that you have to work through. I didn't say that there wouldn't be tears. I didn't say that there wouldn't be much prayer. I I, I didn't say any of that. But the choice is to forgive or not to forgive. If you have a forgiving spirit, number three, you will heed the warning of unforgiveness. You will heed the warning about unforgiveness. Take a look at Matthew chapter 18, verse 31. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after he called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that, that, all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay. All that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. I want you to take a look at the first thing. If you're taking notes, write this down. Letter A. Your life is an example to others. 
you must remember that if you are not going to have a forgiving spirit, that others will pick up on it. Your life is an example to others. Matthew 18, 31. When his fellow servants saw what was done. You know what I find interesting about us is that we want others to think the best of us at all times. We do. We want everybody to think the best of us. We want people to think that, oh, I am just this, this type of person. And we set ourselves up. And what's even more interesting is that we minimize our sin and we maximize our goodness while maximizing others' sin and minimizing their goodness. And oftentimes we think that the way we see ourselves and our goodness and our sin is the way that others see us, and that's not true. See, your life is an example to others, and eventually, eventually, others will find out. How do you know that? The Scripture tells us that your sins will be found out. Oh, it may take time. It may take years. I remember my dad told me one time when he was going through a difficult time, he looked at me and said, son, remember one thing. I said, what's that, dad? He said, time is your best friend if you're living right. Time is your best friend if you're living. He goes, if you're living right, time's your best friend. And what will happen is eventually people will see that what others have said about you is not true. But guess what? The flip side of that is true as well. If you're not living right, time is not your best friend. And eventually it will come out and people will see you for who you really are. See, bitterness and an unforgiving spirit is like acid in a plastic bottle. Eventually, it's going to eat its way out. The bottle can't hold it. The properties of the bottle are going to break down because the bitterness or the acid is stronger than the properties of the bottle. And guess what? When you have an unforgiving spirit towards someone, it's going to leak out. And it will leak out in your marriage. It will leak out in, in your family. It will leak out to your kids. It will leak out to your coworkers. It will leak out. And the sad reality is that you think that you are hurting the person by not forgiving them, but the only person that you are actually hurting is yourself is yourself. See, your life is on display. And what is your forgiveness or lack of forgiveness teaching others about you? See, because there will be somebody that you can confide in. And you're still an example to them. You say, well, I'm just telling my husband or I'm just telling my wife or I'm just telling my girlfriend or I'm just telling one of my buddies. It's going to affect them.
See, no man is an island unto himself. Others are going to be affected if we do not choose to have a forgiving spirit. But let her be. Take a look here. Your life will be marked by chastisement. You say, well, I'm just not going to forgive. I mentioned to you this morning that there are consequences for unforgiveness. And maybe you might be wondering why life doesn't seem to be working out for you and why things seem to be hard and why, why everything seems to be difficult and you're struggling in your Christian life and you're wondering why and you think that you're doing right and you're, 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 you're trying to be this good Christian but, and you think that everything's right, but you're just something's just not there. Something seems to be just missing. But take a look in verse 34. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brother their trespasses. we got to remember who's being addressed in this passage. It's not unbelievers. He's addressing believers. So now we've got a problem because it says that, that, in this, that, he, that, that the Lord was wroth and he delivered him to the tormentors. Usually when we think about that, what do we think about? Think about hell. Well, then if that's the case, then we believe that one could lose their salvation and that's not what Scripture teaches. So then, if he's talking to believers and he says the Lord turned him over to tormentors because he would not forgive, there's a problem. Let me first say what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying, if you do not forgive, you will not go to heaven. He's not saying, if you do not forgive, you're going to go to hell. But what is being said is that a Christian who is unwilling to forgive, their brother will be dealt with by God. A believer who refuses to forgive another individual, God will deal with you. This is the way God usually works when he deals with us. He starts small, but then he increases until we relent. See, <clears throat> the Bible says, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. I want you to take a look at Hebrews, if you will, because the Bible backs up this principle here. Your life will be marked by chastisement. Your life will be marked by chastisement. You say, well, how will God chastise me? I don't know. That's between you and God. But rest assured, the Bible's true. What God says he will do. Take a look. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 5. And ye have forgotten, Hebrews 12, 5. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children, my sons. Despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. 
If you endure the chastening, if you endure chastening, God deal with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. So see, you're in a difficult predicament here, and so am I. If you decide not to uh, forgive, and you say, oh, hey, I'm good. God's not chastising me. I'm really good. You're in a worse case scenario than what you, what you realize. Because if God's not chastening you for your sin of unforgiveness, then what Scripture says is that you're not one of his. That's what it said, that ye are bastards and not sons. That's exactly what it says. You ought to expect, you ought to expect if you're a believer and not forgiving another person to be chastened by God. That's one of the ways you know that you're a believer. What happens is God will put pressure on you. He will bring things into your life that are uncomfortable. He could use health. He could use other family members. He could use a job situation. All to be able to get our attention. Why? Because God does not want his children living in perpetual sin. Because he loves us too much. You say, why, why is God doing this? Well, because he does love us too much and because he wants a pure relationship with us. He wants us to be able to enjoy the relationship that he has designed for us to have. When we have the unconfessed sin of a lack of forgiveness in our life, it hinders the fellowship that we have with God. You say, Pastor, it's just so hard. How can I start working on this to, com to cultivate a heart of forgiveness? Start praying for the person that has wounded you the greatest. Start praying for that person. Ask God to bless that person. Ask God, if they, if they don't know Christ, their personal Savior, to save that person. See, <laughs> I just find it so ironic that we talk about these things. <clears throat> and then many times we go out the doors and we just live our lives. Folks, this is Christianity. This is the way life is supposed to, you call yourself, I call myself a follower of Christ, right? I am a disciple of Christ. I'm following the example of Christ. If anybody had a right not to forgive people that have physically uh, uh, tormented him, it would have been Christ, right? I mean, he did no wrong. He did no sin. They did everything wrong to him. He wasn't in the wrong. And if anybody had a right to say, open up the, the gates of hell and say, there you go, you're all going to hell, it would have been Christ. But the Bible says that we're supposed to teach 
all the things that he taught the disciples, and we're supposed to follow them, according to Matthew chapter 28, right? Teaching all those things that I've commanded you. So, we're supposed, so to be a disciple of Christ, this is what it looks like. So we, we take it from here as we're sitting in a, a nice auditorium, and, and we start at home, or we start in here, and then, then we go out there. Folks, if we're not doing it any different than the world, why would they want what we have? It doesn't make sense. Oh, but pastor, you don't know. That's what the world says. Oh, but they've hurt me too bad. That's what the world says. Well, I just can't. That's what the world says. Then how are we any different? Oh, well, because I've said a little prayer and I've got Jesus in my heart. Well, folks, you can say all the little prayers you want, but if you're truly not trusting in Christ, it doesn't matter how many prayers you say. Matter of fact, I can't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible. It's just repent and believe. There is no sinner's prayer in the Bible. So, well, when I was five years old, I said the sinner's prayer, so I must be saved. Well, you know what? If you just said it to say it, then guess what? If you're truly not trusting in Christ and following his ways, then you probably have some business to do. Why? Because we live just like the world. We make the same excuses as the world. And but I, I'm not belittling the sinner's prayer, and I'm not belittling those. But what I'm saying, is, my point is, that if this is real with us, then we ought to be living it out. You say, but it's hard. I know. If Christianity was easy, everybody would be doing it. But pastor, I cry a lot, and it hurt me a lot. I know. That's why you have to depend upon God. But pastor, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how I'm going to be able to take the next step. I know that's why you have the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to be your guide. So my question for you is then, if we don't live like this, then please tell me what is the difference between us and them out there that don't know Christ? Please give me a logical argument. Well, I have Jesus in my heart. Yeah, that, that may be true, but the simple fact of the, the matter is that the Bible tells us to be salt and light. Salt and light. So there is something different that they can taste in your demeanor, and there is something different that they can see in the way that you live. There is a marked contrast. So when somebody at work undercuts you for a promotion and everybody at work knows about it and they start coming to you, can you believe? How do you respond? Did you send that person a congratulatory email or maybe got them a little gift? Say, hey, congratulations on your promotion. That's what a Christian would do. Now, an unsaved person would, they would come, when, when, when people would come, can you believe that unsaved person would, you know what they would do? They would start talking about that individual. They would start maligning that individual. Well, I can't believe that so-and-so got promoted over you and what they did to you. You said, Pastor, well, how do I respond? You can say, you know, according to, according to uh, the word of God and the way that I live, the Bible says that Jesus promotes people, he puts people up, and he brings people down. So that's up to Jesus whether I get promoted or not. Oh, man, people really think that I'm weird. Yeah, it might give you an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. It's called being different. 
So we've got to make the choice whether we're going to hold on to this or whether we're going to let it go. And we are really going to be followers of Christ. We're going to walk the way Christ walked. Because is that not what we're called to be? Followers of Christ? See, folks, being a follower of Christ is more than just trusting him as your Savior. Being a follower of Christ is doing and living the way that he would every day. Every day. If you wonder why maybe some things in your life are not going the way that they should go, you are going to be put under pressure and difficulty and chastisement until you confess the sin and make it right. Oh, I understand that this probably wasn't the most encouraging message today. (laughs) But this is what Jesus was teaching his disciples. And this is what he wants us to know. Should you have compassion? Should you? The answer is a resounding yes. Two things stand out from this story, and I'll close with this. We ought to be people that are marked with forgiveness because we've been forgiven so much. And we ought to forgive because if we don't, there will be chastisement in our life. See, I would rather us, see, you've got a choice. You can either focus on the first point, the positive, I'm going to forgive because I've been forgiven so much. Or you can focus on the negative. Well, I'm going to forgive because I don't want to get chastised. I don't know about you, but I'd rather think about the grace of God in my life and say, Lord, thank you for your grace for me. But you know, sometimes when our our love for the Lord wanes a little bit, that happens. Happens to all of us. Sometimes we do need a little bit of that chastisement to get us up and going again. Oh, uh, yep, that's... (laughs) I'm here, Lord. You got my attention. Um, So the choice is yours tonight. I would encourage you, not because this message was preached greatly, it wasn't, but I would encourage you to take these two messages that you heard Sunday morning and tonight, hold them close to you. Keep them on your YouTube like list because you're going to need them. I'm going to need them. All I did was just present very simply to you basic Bible truths. But we need to be reminded of them Because if not, we can allow bitterness to creep in and it can harm our relationship, our fellowship with the Lord. 